Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today in Health IT, in pursuit of the dream machine with Sachin Adala. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of podcasts and events dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of leaders. They are SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family can face. In 2023, to celebrate five years at This Week Health, we are working to give back. We will be partnering with Alex's Lemonade Stand all year long. We have a goal to raise $50,000 from our community, and we're over that amount, and we're going to keep pushing on. We ask you to join us. Hit our website in the top right-hand column. You're going to see a logo for the lemonade stand. Click on that to give today. We believe in the generosity of our community and we thank you in advance. All right. So I was at Epic UGM this week and there was a really fascinating conversation between Summit and and Sasha Nadala. Summit with uh, Epic and Sasha Nadala with Microsoft, CEO of Microsoft. And there was a interesting part of that exchange. There was a lot of conversation around AI and what's next and what's going to happen and that kind of thing. And in the middle of it, he talked about this concept of the dream machine. Now, my notes are not that good, and I tried to find some video on it, but not much exists out there. So this is some of the things I remember him talking about was there's, there's three aspects of the dream machine. And I think this is really, really insightful. The, the first was an intuitive a natural language interface, an intuitive natural language interface for the machine. And we've been looking for this for eons. In fact, when we imagined machines way back in the day, we imagined machines that we could talk to in natural language, in human language that we could talk to. Now, think about how difficult and challenging that is because there are a myriad of languages around the world. And anything you're going to do at scale, you're going to want to be able to have those languages be represented in that model. As you would imagine with ChatGPT and, and some of the AI models that are coming out now, we now have some of that. We have some NLP. We have some different different aspects of this that we're seeing, and we're seeing it emerge. And when you interact with ChatGPT and you put things in and you see it respond to you, you're like, oh my gosh, there, there, there's some there's some logic and there's some, it, it makes sense. It's responding to you in a way that almost feels human. In fact, it, multiple times it was brought up the the study that the ChatGPT responding to the notes versus the physicians, it was more empathetic and even more human than humans as it was joked about. But that was the first part of the dream machine is that we would be able to interact with it the, the, with, with natural language, like in Star Trek, where they say, computer, pull up this, do this, whatever. And, and we're getting, we can see it. It used to be we could see glimpses of it. Now we are stepping into it and we, we are interacting with these machines more and more with natural language. The second aspect of it also comes back to this generative AI concept, and that is a reasoning engine, an engine that can take information in and do things with it. 
it can it can summarize things it can it can find patterns for you it can complete things and it can it can find insights with with data and, and patterns it, it, it's really interesting so the first thing was was interact with human language and the second was a reasoning engine and the the concept that he started talking about was that we would start almost everything with a draft I remember talking about this and it was really interesting to me. It's like, we wouldn't have to start with a blank piece of paper anymore. And that's interesting because most people struggle with the blank piece of paper. It's easier to recreate than it is to create. That's been a concept I've had uh, for a long time as a leader. Sometimes I just like to throw things up on a board because people find it easier to imagine things off of data that's already up there rather than start with a blank page, sometimes that's kind of stifling. And so he talked about this concept of a draft. And then the, fi the final thing he talked about to, to sort of wrap it all together was this, was a, a I think he called it a design aesthetic or a design pattern around the human always being involved, right? So the design pattern is the machine helps, it assists, it creates a draft, and then the human takes it from there and moves it forward. So a human is always in the loop. A human is always, uh, the design pattern is that we assist the human, that the human is given something to act on. And it's, it's, it, it's really interesting. As you talked about that, that dream machine, human interface, reasoning engine, and a design aesthetic that is, I am here to help. I'm here to assist. It's, it's, you can see it. You can see it from where we're sitting right now. I think it's one of the reasons that we get caught up in the hype so much. And it, it was interesting to talk to some of the CIOs and others, especially those that are uh, leading the way with regard to generative AI. And they say, you know, we still have a long way to go. There's still one of the organizations talked about the fact that they have generative AI generating the notes, right? And so they, the clinician can then just hit send they can then edit it or they can then you know erase it and start over and one of the things that was noted is only 25 percent of the notes that are generated are used by the human by the doctor they look at it and they'll they they essentially will delete it and they will start over so 25 percent hit rate is that enough well it's still good and it's still it's, it's still good but you still have this this challenge and that challenge could be an adoption rate it could be a, it could be any number of things. It could be an uneasiness with a computer generating a note. It could be a fear factor of the note having something in it that's wrong and you'd rather write it because you know everything that you're going to write is going to be correct as opposed to proofing something and there's bias and stuff that comes when you're proofing things. You know, it's interesting because almost everyone you hear, almost everyone in a, a position of leadership is saying this is revolutionary. This whole idea of AI and generative AI is going to transform the way we live and interact over the next five years. And it is a fundamental paradigm shift as big as you name it, right? As big as the, I think Satya talked about the graphical user interface. And my question is, is it as big as the mobile phone? Is it as big as the internet? And there are some who believe that it will be that big. And let's just assume it is going to be. At this point, we can go in two directions here. One is, 
you know, how do we not get caught up in the hype and how do we stay grounded as we bring this technology forward? That is one direction and that's important. But in assuming that it is going to be transformative, what is the things that we should be doing as technology leaders? And I've talked about this over the past year. At a minimum, we should be playing with it ourselves. We should be interacting with it. We should be encouraging some others to go on that journey with us and to play with it in different areas. One of the things I did with my team is I had everybody in my team come up with one or two things around generative AI and the use of open AI. And every one of my team members has a license to use a chat GPT version four. And, and we're paying for that because I want them to get comfortable with it. I want them to utilize it. And it's interesting, the younger they are in our group, the more creative they've been with it, the more they have uh, really expanded and used it, I believe. But sometimes it's not age related. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just an openness to new things, right? So I would, I would be playing with it myself. I would gather some people around me, some trusted people around me who are also playing with, with generative AI and whatnot. And depending on the technical capabilities, I would encourage them to look at some of the open source models that are out there. You have Lambda 2 that's out there and potentially training those models, figuring out how to utilize your data to train those models. It's interesting, back in 2015, we had a group on the third floor and that group on the third floor was actually a startup that we had invested in and they had a bunch of data scientists, they had a bunch of really smart programmers. And one of the things we did is we, we took a data set and the data set was images and it was back at a time when people were talking about, hey, these images, we can do uh, some secondary reads, we can do some of that stuff. And one of that, what I wanted to figure out is what it took for us to move the needle. Could we, as, as a group of technologists and whatnot, find open source models, take a, a data set, put it through there and determine how, how close we could get to doing those reads. And the team had made huge progress on this, of, of taking an open source model, of training that model on a data set that we had given them to utilize to train that model. And, and they were getting, at the time, they were moving from 80 to 85% you know, effectiveness on the reads because we have the, the, the images and we have the information on the actual reads themselves. And so if the, if the model could be trained on the information that we already have, on the information we already know to be true, then in the future, it could look for those same things in future images. Again, it depends what resources you have, it depends what kind of team you have, but at a minimum, I would have your team playing around with whatever AI tools that are available. Sometimes we do research together as a team and everybody goes into their own specific area and comes back and talks about the various AI tools that are out there. And also at a minimum, I would be reading everything I could get my hands on in terms of the various various advancements. In fact, I found a great, Fierce Health Healthcare has a, a great page and it's the latest news on generative AI. And it's all the, all the generative AI stories that they've published relating to healthcare. And it was pretty long. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 articles. And you know what, to be honest with you, it can't be all of them that they've published, but it, it goes back to June 5th. And it talks about the different healthcare systems, what they're doing, different papers that have been published. 
pretty good resources. So that's the kind of stuff I would be doing. I hope you're doing some of the same things. I hope you are staying abreast of what's going on. And I don't know. I don't think we are too far away from this dream machine. Human language interface, intuitive natural language interface, a reasoning engine, and a design aesthetic that is keeps the human involved at every point in the uh, process. So exciting times to be alive, exciting times to be in technology. Hope you have a great weekend. That's all for today. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel, please forward them a note. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.